Hey guys, it's Dan Martin and uh, it's on education. I'm super stoked about today's topic. And today's topic, it's on higher order thinking. And so when I was teaching, uh, we would be always challenged by administrators uh, and uh, folks uh, in the public to elevate the thinking of our students. And uh, I was always uh, struggling to do that, I was trying to move through the required curriculum and to have uh, activities and labs that encourage students to uh, develop problem solving skills and analytical skills to elevate their thinking. And so today we're going to talk about this topic and maybe look at it a little different uh, perspective uh, than you're used to. Uh, so we're going to first review a little bit about Bloom's uh, taxonomy, <laughs> and then we're going to develop strategies to increase higher order thinking and problem solving. Okay, so just kind of a, a historical view uh, first on Bloom's taxonomy. Uh, this was developed back in 1956 uh, by a fellow by the name of Benjamin Bloom with colleagues Max uh, Egelhart, Edward First, Walter Hill, and David Catherall. Um, and so they, they published uh, this uh, hierarchy of, of learning, uh, starting as a triangle type of system where you start at the base, which is knowledge, and then it moves up to comprehension, application, analysis, synthesis, and evaluation. And then uh, about 20 years ago, they redid the, the terminology and kind of refined the concept. And now it's uh, the triangle goes from the bottom to the top. Remember, understand, apply, analyze, evaluate, and create. So a little bit different terminology, maybe one that was designed to help uh, uh, educators um, uh, apply these concepts of the taxonomy uh, of learning. And so if we look at the 2001 model, um, starting at the bottom part of the, of the pyramid at the base, remember is the first one. And so this was developed, this new taxonomy was developed uh, by some researchers uh, and specialists uh, with the title, A Taxonomy for Teaching, Learning, and Assessment. This title draws attention away from somewhat static notion of educational objectives uh, from the original Bloom and points to a more dynamic concept of classification. And so... Uh, the remember part at the bottom uh, is kind of uh, defined as define, dupl duplicate, list, memorize, repeat, state. So just the rote memory uh, of the student. Understand uh, says classify, describe, discuss, explain, identify, locate, recognize, report, uh, sel select, translate. And so a little bit more depth of knowledge here for the understanding part where you have to start putting some things together in groups and classifying them and uh, translating um, maybe the ideas into a little bit more of a concept itself. Apply. Use information in new situations. 
Uh, it says execute, implement, solve, use, demonstrate, interpret, operate, visual, sketch. Okay, so um, the the process here is to actually use the knowledge for an end goal, uh, to use it to apply the knowledge that you have grown to understand and maybe solve a problem. Analyze, draw connections amongst ideas. So differentiate, organize, relate, compare, contrast, distinguish, examine, experiment, question, test. All right, so now we're getting into some higher level order thinking where we're actually analyzing uh, the information and uh, using it to compare maybe alternate hypotheses and to compare different ideas. Uh, and then we go up to elevate, justify a stand or decision. So after you analyze uh, maybe an experiment or a set of data, you evaluate that in terms of other ideas and elevate those ideas above others uh, and give reasons why. And then finally, at the very top part of the pyramid is create. It says produce new or original work, design, assemble, construct, objective, development, formulate, author, investigate. All right. So here uh, we might propose an alternate to uh, what we've evaluated and refine that concept to create a new idea or a new approach to solving a problem. So uh, this is the, uh, says the verbs of the new scheme, you know, what we, you would be actually doing in each part. And so I think that this is helpful to keep in mind <clears throat> as you're working through your curriculum and uh, scaffolding your uh, assessments and uh, working toward getting students to think in higher levels. Okay, so what I thought was really interesting when I was doing research for the topic was an article uh, that I found that was an interview of Dr. Richard Paul. And uh, this uh, interview was published uh, by uh, the Georgia Institute of Technology uh, and its uh, State Department of Technical and Adult Education. And the publication type was Collected Works Series uh, in a journal entitled Wordsworth, a quarterly newsletter of lifelong learning. And this was published in the fall of 1998. And so not a, a recent publication, but one that I found really looked at the skills involved in critical thinking and analysis and, and really did a deep dive on it. Uh, Dr. Richard uh, is a director of research at the Center for Critical Thinking at Sonoma State University in Roanoke Park, California. He's written six books and close to 200 articles, and um, he is the director of the Center of Critical Thinking. And this center conducts workshops, conferences, advanced research, and so disseminates information about the theory and practice of critical thinking. And so uh, Dr. Paul was interviewed here in this publication by Barbara Christopher. And so we're going to be discussing his ideas, which I think are awesome. <laughs> so let's take a look. OK, so how does Dr. Paul define critical thinking? He says critical thinking occurs as people recognize that making itself or thinking itself does not necessarily gravitate toward high quality. 
Rather, it often gravitates toward low quality. So when critical thinking is the systematic attempt to think about thinking in such a way as to take apart the rec and recognize how it is functioning, evaluate it for its strengths and weaknesses, and restructuring it to make it better. In other words, thinking about thinking. We are thinking in order to make thinking better. Thinking improves thinking. <laughs> a lot of thinking there going on. So I think that that's really cool is that you just don't have thoughts, but you analyze where those thoughts come from and why you believe what you believe. And that's the first step in becoming a critical thinker. What are some good traits of uh, critical thinkers? So I thought this was awesome. There's basically two main traits here. It says a person with intellectual humility would know what they know and know what they don't know and are able to fill in the gaps of ignorance and knowledge rather than to confuse a belief, however passionate it might be, with knowledge. And I always told my kids and it confused them. I always say, I always told them, I know what I know and I know what I don't know, you know. <laughs> so it's important to realize that no matter how much knowledge you gain, there's always something more to learn and that you can revise your opinions and thoughts as you get more and more data and you should uh, it's important for people to grow and to and to uh, continually being investigate uh, their uh, ideas and conclusions it says here another trait of a good critical thinker would be intellectual perseverance ability would work through difficulties in thinking in order to solve problems that have some inherent complexity in them all right so I immediately thought growth mindset here. Uh, you've, you've got to be able to hang in there. Uh, you've got to realize that intelligence is not static, that if you work on it, uh, you will become a stronger and more uh, uh, and your abilities to think at higher levels will increase. And it goes with those brain connections that you make when you are working through problems. The brain is not static, it's growing also. And so your ability to think and reason increases with time if you work at it. So I thought that these were awesome traits that Dr. Paul uh, brought out. What are the stages of critical thinking? The first stage is the unreflective thinker, is where we all begin. We, we don't know about our thinking. We're controlled by our uh, we're controlled by our thinking. We don't control it. So our thinking may come from media, from peer groups, from television, from newspapers, or even misconceived experiences. Whatever we are taking in and using in our thinking, we're not aware of. So we are unreflective. And so, uh, you know, media bias, for example, you watch a television program and you look at the so-called experts and they say, uh, one thing and you automatically take that for granted. You think, well, that's, that should be true, right? And so you are not reflective of the motives of the person. Uh, you're not reflective about uh, what kind of data that they've used to draw their conclusions and so forth. The second occurs when we undergo a crisis of recognition that our thinking is not what it could be. <laughs> All right. So we we uh, listen to the so-called experts and then we go out in life and we realize that what they're telling us doesn't really apply to us or maybe is miscon um, 
a misconception of a concept or maybe just an out and out untruth. And so we realize that maybe the way that we're thinking and the way we're influenced uh, is is uh, comes from not totally unbiased sources. The third stage occurs when we begin to try to do something about the problems in our thinking. We call this stage the beginning thinker. In a way, that's misleading because it sounds like the person hasn't been thinking. But we mean is the beginning critical thinker, beginning to think about your thinking with a recognition uh, with a recognition that there is that there are problems in your thinking. <laughs> the product of the third stage is the recognition that sooner or later you'll need to practice good habits of thought regularity. Okay, so in this stage you begin to realize that it's going to take some effort to be an informed thinker, <laughs> to dig through the data, to actually look at varying points of view and to look maybe at the motives behind whoever is presenting the information has and also to evaluate if this information is coming from an informed source that actually does research or an uninformed source. Last stages. So now we move to the next stage, the fourth practical stage. You are beginning to develop regular habits of good thinking. You are far from accomplished thinker, but you are practicing what you are uh, what you are practicing is improving the quality of your thinking and with the practice and eventual eventually progress. So here you're you're starting to look at multiple sources. You're starting to look at the data more critically, look at the motives behind it. You're really coming a long way into being a more discerning uh, consumer of information. And then it says the next to last stage is the fifth advanced thinker, although there may be many stages within this stage is basically relative progressing to the final stage we recognize as a master thinker. The thinker in this stage is a person who, whatever the problem is presented, could tend to, uh, would tend to do good thinking about it. The master thinker asks good questions. They look for the right kind of data. They conceptualize the data efficiently. They test their thinking effectively, then they are able to do it in a kind of global sense across the various domains of life. Then they are approaching the master thinker. And so I would challenge you to say that you are a master thinker. I think that most of us, if we are honest with ourselves, would say that we only do this on problems that affect us greatly. Uh, maybe a health concern, uh, maybe making a financial decision. Hopefully you uh, really bear down and you do your research and you conduct yourself in a way that you're confident in your decision-making process. But I think a lot of times people just defer to others. Uh, they say, well, you know, so-and-so is an expert in the topic, and so I am going to <laughs> take the easy way out and just uh, copycat them. And, and, you know, in certain circumstances, when things are of great importance to you, that might be okay. But we certainly need to develop skills in students where if they need to, they can bear down and be a master thinker on an important problem to them. So I found this to be really cool, too. He has eight uh, critical structures and questions in this thought process. So I thought this was just awesome. 
so uh, the the critical structures here are what is the purpose or the goal in your thinking? Some critical questions. Uh, what data, facts, and experience do we have to look at the problem? Interpret data and facts. So uh, we're going to look at the data and the facts and see what conclusions we would make. The concepts or ideas that can be applied. Are there other? Is there other work being done, or concepts to tie all this data together? Uh, what assumptions are we making? Uh, so you might look at a problem and assume, say, that we're on planet Earth, <laughs> and that there's regular gravitational pull from the Earth. Uh, but the assumption might be different if you're uh, Elon Musk or or uh, one of the uh, brilliant scientists that work on the uh, space station. Uh, so uh, the the assumptions might be different in other environments. Uh, uh, if you're looking at educational issues, uh, assumptions might be made uh, about the environment that teacher uh, that uh, students are being brought up in. If they're in a impoverished area, maybe in Africa. Uh, maybe you make a, a, the wrong assumption that they have all the materials that they need. So uh, these are things to think about. What are the implications and consequences of our assumptions? So what if we assume something that's not true? How will that change the problem? And so whether you think you <laughs> whether you think you think within a point of view, whatever you think you think within a point of view is the last one. And so what is your inherent biases that you bring into the problem and how can you structure your thinking to eliminate as much of the bias as possible all right there are eight questions or uh, questions at least that you could ask of any thinking okay so the first part was structures and this is questions and, and there's some overlap here but I think it's interesting to to read these what's the purpose or what's the question okay so uh, the very first structures were purpose or goal. And so the questions could be, what's the purpose of our of our thinking? Uh, what is the essential question? What data do we have to work with? So that's a little bit of an overlap. How are you interpreting these, this data? Uh, are you using some sort of randomized design or are you just taking it for face value? Are there actual differences between the measurements or are some of the differences due to chance? Okay, so things to think about. Uh, what are the key concepts or ideas we need to understand here? Okay, so uh, certainly in, in the sciences, uh, we have some base knowledge that we use to apply to problems, uh, relationships between variables. And so what would that be? If you were in the political sphere, you might say, well, what, uh, what are the key concepts or ideas that different political groups have and hold true? Do they always hold true? Are there exceptions to those? Uh, number five, what are we taking for granted? Okay, so there may be some things that you just think are, you know, going to happen that might not happen. <laughs> and so uh, in a physics experiment, uh, you talk about stopping distances. Well, uh, are we taking for granted that the stopping distance is on a uh, dry road or a wet road? Um, 
So those are some things that maybe you're taking for granted that you might not should. <laughs> what are the uh, number six? What are the implications of proceeding? OK, so what happens uh, when we make a decision? What are the outcomes uh, that could happen? How are we looking at this? OK, so what's our perspective on things? Do we have some inherent biases? Is there any other way of thinking about the problem? OK, and so this is one of those things where um, you want to have a period of, of just total uh, abandon in terms of your thinking. So you want to get outside the box and think about uh, generate ideas to solve problems. And then after you generate these ideas, it should be in a, a uh, an environment where it's safe for people to come up with silly ideas. And maybe a silly idea is not so silly after all, after you analyze it. But most of those ideas are thrown out. But it's the process of brainstorming and coming up with things. And we'll talk about the Disney method here in uh, one of the videos. And, and we'll talk about uh, the whole process of creative uh, problem solving. Switching off here and we're going to talk about and uh, this is Theory into Practice, uh, Summer of 93, a sociological collection uh, from Lewis, Arthur, Smith and David. Theory into Practice, Summer of 93, uh, Volume 32, Issue 9, page 131. OK, so uh, the authors point out that there is a difference of approach in defining higher order thinking uh, from philosophers to psychologists. And so philosophers versus psychologists, ways to improve the process is the general topic. And so here uh, they say philosophers tend to look through a prism of reflected thinking and logic. And then uh, psychologists tend to look at the problem solving and experimentation and research. So some of the great philosophers uh, used logical thinking uh, and they thought through a prism of reflection. You know, if, if this is true, therefore this has to be true. Psychologists tended to conduct experiments to see if what assumptions that they made, they test hypothesis and to see if if the hypothesis or the way of thinking that they uh, assumed would happen or, you know, the, the events were predicted and then they would do an experiment to see if those predictions came true or not. Higher versus lower level thinking. OK, so this comes from a, a, a uh, researcher called Mayer. He said, learn behavior plugged into a taught formula is reproductive thinking. OK, so reasoning, rearranging a formula or putting formulas together to solve a problem is higher level thinking. And so um, there's a difference in, in Mayer's uh, mind that, you know, reproducing other people's thoughts or data is more of a reproductive and then rearranging formulas and putting things together is more of a higher level type of approach. OK, and another uh, famous uh, scientist and thinker was by the fellow by the name of Bartlett and his view of higher order thinking uh, in his view of higher order thinking, there's three main types. And he thought of this whole process as gap filling. And so the very first 
level or tier of thinking was interpolation, uh, filling, uh, filling in information missing from a logical sequence. And so you might think of this as uh, uh, maybe following a pattern uh, in, in math, you know, evens and odds, for example, or uh, maybe filling in a term in a uh, fill in the blank type of question uh, for uh, social studies or or history. Uh, extrapolation it would be extending an argument or a statement. And so uh, this might be, uh, for example, um, saying that a certain policy led a certain government policy or uh, social policies that lead to different uh, events, say uh, high spending leads to inflation. That would be extrapolation of high spending. Reinterpretation would be rearranging of information to affect a new interpretation. And so this might be extending that and saying that, well, higher spending led to inflation during the 1970s, but now the higher spending led to greater investment in research, which actually lowered the cost of goods. And so uh, you can see the, the thought process here of Bartlett and the staggering or the elevation from interpolation to extrapolation to reinterpretation. So I thought that that was pretty neat. Commission of Science and Education of America, Association of the Advancement of Science. So you could probably guess here that they see a higher order thinking as doing uh, research and conducting experiments. And so said problem solving activities consist of basic and integrated processes. So with the basic processes, uh, the basic process would be observing, measurement, inferring, predicting, classifying, collecting, and recording data. All right. So uh, in my science classes, we always talked about the scientific method. And we said, O, C, heat. <laughs> o for observation. C for collection of data. H is hypothesis. E is experiment. A is an uh, analysis. And T is theorized. And so you, you move from collecting data, interpreting it, classifying it, recording it, and then that's the basic part. And then the integration part is interpreting data, controlling variables, defining operationally, uh, formatting hypotheses and experiments. And so uh, they, they see higher order thinking as uh, conducting experiments basically and looking at things experimentally. Critical thinking and problem solving continued. So there's some other work here highlighted. Uh, Bear uh, in 1985, critical thinking is the assessing the authenticity, accuracy, and or worth of knowledge, claims, and arguments. Okay, very good. Uh, critical thinking is not problem solving and it's not a cover of all thinking skills. All right. So that's the way uh, Bayer looked at this whole thing of critical thinking. It's just not problem solving, but it is assessing authenticity, accuracy and or worth of knowledge, claims and arguments. I certainly think that that's a worthy pursuit uh, when you are 
looking at uh, maybe other people's work, uh, uh, evaluating uh, information that you're getting from newscasts, um, maybe uh, evaluating uh, uh, perspectives on different social issues. And so I think that that is uh, certainly uh, something that we need to develop in our students. B.O. Smith emphasized evaluation and judgment, whether to accept or reject an, an argument. Uh, so, again, uh, a great, great skill set to have. Ennis in 1981, the National Study for the Study of Education combines creative thinking and problem solving uh, are interdependent in practical use. <laughs> okay, I think I got that right. My picture's blocking my graphic here. But it combines those things. So uh, certainly think that that's a strong argument is that you, you need critical uh, thinking skills to solve problems. But it's not always a problem that you're solving that you're trying to think critically about. Sometimes it is uh, information presented uh, from other sources uh, that doesn't necessarily involve solving a particular problem. Okay, so now a summary of what we've gone over and some uh, some of my ideas and perspective on things uh, for what that's worth. Um, how order or critical thinking can be thought of in many ways. Remember, we had a difference in the philosophers and the uh, the psychologist viewpoint of critical thinking. One used more of a logic-based approach and the other used more of an experiment-based approach. Uh, we also had people thinking that uh, critical thinking is just not problem-solving. It's evaluating arguments. And so there are lots of different ways to think about critical thinking. And the main thing is to think about your thinking. And so that's the second point I want to make here is that students should be uh, taught to and encouraged to think about how they are processing information and how they're coming up with their viewpoints. Uh, they should be challenged to present data or to present arguments based on research. The process of critical thinking can occur at any stage of development. And that's a really critical one here. No matter what level you're teaching at, you can always push the students to Think about uh, about what they're doing and what arguments are made, and uh, it can be uh, conducted from the very uh, youngest student uh, in grade school to certainly uh, juniors and seniors in high school. Concepts that are learned or taught are not as memorable as concepts that are discovered through productive thinking. All right, so this is one of those really difficult things for all teachers: is you know what do you spend your time on? And uh, how much do you let your students do discovery type learning? Uh, discovery type learning is painstakingly slow. <laughs> and my students, a lot of times when I try to get them to think on their own and to come up with their own conclusions, they just want me to tell them the answer. Has that happened to you? I'm sure it has. And so there's certain things, certain important concepts that the, the children should and the students should uh, experience. And uh, learn uh, for their own, and certainly they will remember it uh, longer if they do. Uh, it says here, care must be taken to engage students to think critically using evidence, experiments, and data. And so, uh, you know, to be 
uh, very uh, kind and um, to be uh, a advocate for students, you need to say, well, how do you know that to be true? You know, what did you observe? What have you read? Uh, what kind of perspective? You know, think of all those critical questions uh, that Dr. Paul raised and to to evaluate arguments and to evaluate solutions critically and to develop those higher level, those mastery thinking skills as we go. I hope you guys have enjoyed uh, this podcast. I've enjoyed uh, doing the research to put it together for you. In the next one, uh, we are going to actually look at activities and things that can be done in the classroom to help your students develop higher order thinking skills. So I hope you've enjoyed this and I'll see you in the next one. Peace. Thank you.